Coming up on this edition of the Reenactors Corner podcast, we get forensic about an item of World War II German kit that's often forgotten about but is crucial if you're aiming to build a truly authentic field impression. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner. This is Chris here again with Ben. How are you doing, Ben? I'm great, Chris. Great to be back. Uh, like the last episode, we are recording this one in the field. So thanks for joining us for this field recording. No one said that they didn't like the last one. So uh, we're going to do it again like this because it's another beautiful night here in Massachusetts. It is a little bit more breezy today. So hopefully there's no difficulties from that but we are learning as we go before we get started with the episode i wanted to just uh kind of comment that without realizing it the reenactors corner has passed a milestone our previous episode was the 100th total episode that includes the regular episodes like this as well as the patreon exclusive episodes so we're now we're now over 100 that's great. That's a real milestone, you know. I feel like a lot of channels uh, and mediums actually celebrate that, but uh, you know. Uh... Well, you know, they probably keep track, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we yeah. don't. And maybe we'll do something special when it's the hundredth regular episode, because I know that um, that's a cool idea. Those get a number on them. Sure, that's a cool idea. So our topic today is about the humble Brotbeutel, or the bread bag, which is an indispensable part of the field equipment of every German soldier. One of my favorite pieces of kits. So let's go. So this is, uh, we're going to first get into sort of the granular nitty gritty about these bags, how they evolved over time, uh, specifics about the construction of the bags and so on. And then later on, we're going to talk about using them in reenacting and we're going to talk about uh, reproduction bags and post-war equivalents. And uh, we are going to talk about, we're going to kind of review the bread bag and give our personal take on using these things. Sounds great. So do you know when the bread bag was introduced with the Imperial German Army? I think it was like 1893 or something, or did that ring a bell? Well, I don't know exactly when the the Imperial, like, yeah, I, I think it was something like 1891 or 1893 or yeah. something like that. But I don't know if they might not have had a haversack before then. Sure. I imagine they probably sure. did. Sure. From my perspective as a World War II collector and World War II reenactor, the origins of the type of bread bag that uh, that we use is in the First World War. Sure, sure, sure. The the original you know, pre-World War One type that started in service uh, in 1914 that entered the field in 1914 at the beginning of the war was an ochre color. Yeah. And then during the war, I think it was in 1915, they started making them out of the gray, gray right? Yeah, the gray. Um, Those are cool. Both colors are neat. These differ from the World War II bread bag in some ways. The biggest difference is is that instead of one uh, leather fitting and D-ring on the front, or the, instead of two leather fittings and two D-rings on the front, which was the World War II pattern, um, these only had one D-ring and one leather fitting. Which was for the canteen. That's know? right. And the bread, the uh, mess kit was strapped to the backpack. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Um, 
And then, of course, there were other, I'm sure that someone who was knowledgeable about World War One German bread bags could come on and, you know, probably talk for an hour about the different variations of these things and how they were marked and the different kinds of buttons and materials. And sure. Stuff. And I think it was kind of like a doctrinal change from World War One to World War Two. you know, where World War One. The emphasis was maybe on marching, and that was why the mess tin was carried in the pack. And I feel like World War II, maybe more mobile warfare, like you're not going to be marching, and be maybe rapidly advancing, and so to be able to carry the, the mess tin on, you know, your person, like, is... Is is better? I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any specific documents that I can point to that show why they went to carrying the mess kit on the, uh, on the bread bag. It's interesting too that you can see it as sort of an evolution. Where yeah, in uh, so in 1931 they introduced the new bread bag yep. that has a spot for the canteen and for the mess kit. In 1934, they introduced a new tornister that had a special container inside, a special compartment for the mess kit. Mm. And then in 1939, there was another model of tornister that kind of did away with that special mess kit yeah. fitting. And instead, uh, you could attach the A-frame to this thing, and that also holds the mess kit. Sure, sure, so. sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think to think about, and I mean, I wonder if in some archives somewhere there is documentation that explains it all. You know, but sure, sadly, I think there likely is. Sad that we don't have access. You know, yeah, I haven't found it. So, um, so I guess looking at 1931, the new bread bag is introduced for the German Reichswehr, the predecessor to the Wehrmacht. Yep. Um, it was the same pattern that was used until 1944. We call this the Model 1931 bread bag. Yep. Um, Early, initially, like a gray canvas, made you know? out of gray canvas, yeah. um, gray leather too, on a, on a lot of the early versions that you see, you know. Yeah, we're going to talk here in some generalities. Um, you know, where you got to understand there are exceptions to every rule, yeah. and that even if you had a thousand bread bags made between 1931 and 1945, that still only would represent a tiny fraction of the total number produced, and it would only be a small sample of the different yeah. textiles and construction totally. techniques that were used. Totally, um, but some things hold true like yep. like you know like we're saying the the first bread bags were sort of a almost like a I don't know it's like a slate gray color yeah yeah they're pretty um I like them and but they can be found with gray leather or um sometimes brown leather was used yeah um and then in 1940 I believe it was was when they transitioned to the wartime model of bread bag and now uh, the pre the the 1931 pattern allegedly or it had um it had like a leather reinforcement on the belt loop. And That's right. Yeah, the there's, 1940 there's two pattern, belt loops on this bag. Yeah. And a hook. Yeah. That it connects to your belt, and then um, the the two loops were reinforced by leather in the 1931 version. And um, in 1940, they, they did away with the leather. Um, although Chris, weren't you saying that you think you might have some? wartime made ones that still have the leather on them i think i do uh i collect original field gear i have a lot of different bread bags one of the reasons why i enjoy collecting bread bags is because they are so different yeah virtually all of the bread bags that i have are different in a variety of ways um large and small ways whether it comes down to the color of the canvas the color of the leather yep. the way that the leather is is sort of cut and detailed or yep. whether it's uh, pebbled or smooth leather you know and yep. uh, a million such little tiny details, um, and it's I, cool. I have, um, 
I have bags that have a weird mixture of early and late features. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a, a sort of a, uh, a timeline that happened with the buttons and hardware, where pre-war, the, the buttons as well as the hook for the belt were made out of aluminum. And then around 1940, they transitioned into using zinc hardware. And then by the end of the war, they had transitioned to using steel hardware. And I have bread bags that don't appear to have been repaired at any time um, that have, like I say, a mixture of early and late features, a mixture of early and late hardware. I have one bread bag that has on the front for the large D-rings for holding the mess kit in the canteen. One of the D-rings is made out of steel and one of them is made out of aluminum. That's really cool. Yeah, so... I mean, it's funny because I think that they were pretty thorough about eliminating production of the aluminum hardware and transitioning over to zinc and then steel. But that said, if they had the stuff in inventory, I'm right. sure they would have kept using it. And maybe that was just like a, a hook at the bottom of a bin or something. Sure, you know? they weren't necessarily doing like first yeah. in, first out. You know, imagine yeah. a bin that gets replenished as it gets low and at the bottom is stuff that maybe hadn't been touched yeah. for years. I mean, I've seen like weird examples and i wouldn't call these typical but of like like a 19 like 39 pattern breast eagle uh or like the 1938 pattern generic litson on like an m42 tunic that's like sure. factory applied and like maybe that was just they found it at the bottom of a bin and they just used it you know i um, have seen uh m44 tunics that had like 1930s insignia on them that was purportedly factory applied. Sure. And, you know, I I don't know, right? I, that comes down sort of to a collector sort of determination on when the insignia were applied, but I certainly don't think that it would be impossible. Sure. I mean, I feel like I was looking at a pair of, like, M44 trousers, you know, and they had a... It had the, um, like, the pre-war um, horn, blue horn buttons, you know? And, or at least some of those on there that were factory applied. Maybe there was a mix, I forget, but... They had stocks of this stuff, and uh, if they found a button was a button, basically. Sure. So, yeah. Um, you know, while we're on the subject sort of of uh, pre-war bread bags, wartime, late war, um, I just kind of am going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here and say that it's, it's my experience and my opinion based on collecting original stuff, looking at original photos, that there was a tremendous quantity of this stuff made in the late 1930s leading up to 1940. Gearing up for war, right? They were gearing up for war. They knew that they were going to be, you know, vastly increasing the size of the military. And so they were, they knew that they were going to need millions and millions and millions of these basic field gear items to equip the, the giant armies that they plan to raise. We've talked about this in the context of, I think, canteens and mess tins specifically. Like, I would say 1938, 1939 mess, mess kits are very, very, very common. They're they're much, much more common than a 1942 or a 1943 yeah. dated one. Yeah. And it's the same with many categories of uh, personal equipment items, like, for example, the folding spork, the, the folding fork and spoon utensil set that was the basic uh, issue to World War II German soldiers. It's much, much easier to find one dated before 1940 than it is to find one with a mid-war or especially a late-war date. Yeah, yeah, good and point. And I think that the same holds true in some ways with bread bags. Um, in 1944, they changed the pattern of the bread bag by adding a special pouch for the Reinigungsgerät uh, 34, the RG34 uh, rifle cleaning kit. 
and they also changed the belt loops to make them simple loops as opposed to the earlier style that has a button and can be unbuttoned. And they replaced the hook in the center uh, with a with a third simple loop. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've seen reenactors say, well, I am doing a 1945 impression, so I think that it's most appropriate that I use the 1944 pattern bread bag. And this is like kind of an opinion, but it's my opinion that when the German armies surrendered in 1945, there were probably more pre-war bread bags in use at that time than there were M44 bread bags. I totally agree. And granted, it's hard to find an M44 bread bag in original photo because you can't really see uh, like the, 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 the pouch for the cleaning kit. So you're looking specifically for the belt loops, which and are photos you know, that have brain... that level of detail are just so hard to find. Sure, sure, sure. It's very hard to find that, you know, or like oftentimes there's stuff in the way, you know, or like the way it's bunched up, you just can't really see. And also just many photos just are not detailed, as Chris said, you know, it's, it can be shocking how hard it is to find like a picture of a bread bag from 1944, 1945. Sure. You know, everyone had one, but there just aren't a lot of pictures of guys like from yeah. the back or that would show their equipment yeah. and that kind of detail, even someone sitting down or hunched over, you know, it's not really going to show it like how you would want to see it. Yeah. And like, I used to have the mentality where or if I want to do a 1945 event, I want to be able to wear an M44 bread bag. But uh, the reality is, I feel like you could wear one for a 1945 event. Yeah. But that said, you're probably just as good, if not better off, wearing like a, a pre-war or wartime pattern. You know, the M31 or M40 right. pattern. Would you know? be appropriate for yeah. virtually any time of the year, any time of the war for most units. Um, I did also want to touch briefly on the type of fabric that these bread bags are made out of. Um, I've mentioned before, I don't actually have like a laboratory where I could analyze fabric to determine the fiber composition. So I just can go with what I can observe and feel. But there's a tremendous variation in the material used for this stuff. Um, the pre-war bread bags are mostly made out of a relatively sturdy feeling, tightly woven canvas that feels to me like a cotton canvas. Once you get into the wartime zone, there is a coarser, thinner material that starts to be used. I don't know if it's hemp canvas or, or linen or a blend. I imagine it's some kind of a blend. I don't really know. But, um, you know, there is stuff that is coarser and stuff that is more tightly woven. There is stuff that is thick and stuff that is thin. And as far as the color goes, it's just like explodes all over the Sure, spectrum. sure. I mean, olive and green and various shades of, you know, everything. Brown, really. tan, tan you know, yeah, you know, and, yeah. uh, and still some that are that are tending towards gray, and it's, you know, it's light olive, dark it, olive. It's funny, too, because, yeah, I mean, I think the leather was supposed to be black, but, like, you see some with brown. Yeah, definitely. And it, it can be hard when you're looking at a well-used bread bag to imagine what the colors look like when sure, it was new. But sure. even if we just look at unissued bread bags, you see this tremendous uh, variation in color and sure. in materials that were used. I regret that I didn't purchase this. I had an opportunity a long time ago to buy a bread bag that I was absolutely certain was original and that was made out of the same linen HBT that was uh, used for the uh, reed green uniforms that were issued to German army soldiers. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. It was made. It was made of the drillic material. Yes. Wow, and that's wild. I have, 
I have one, the only one I've ever seen that's made out of a silky rayon fabric that I've also seen used for the uh, bag for the gas cape. Mm. And, you know, really? they, they, wow. they just made these things out of whatever material was available and they made them in the millions and millions. Don't you have, uh, I feel like you have like a rucksack made of like a, a tent material, you know, like a pre-war tent that was cut up and made into a rucksack. Do you have any made in like, do you have, an, have you ever seen a bread bag in that cool I material? I imagine that there were bread bags that were made out of that as well. Sure. I don't have any examples. Sure. This circles back around sort of to what I was saying where yeah. it's like you could have 5,000 original bread bags and probably not actually encompass within a collection, even of that size, the whole scope of different materials that were used. I have even seen some that were made out of, I think they were made out of foreign fabric. I've seen what are purported to be pre-war Austrian bread bags that were converted for German service. I've seen examples of pre-war Dutch bread bags that were converted for German service. You I've know? seen pre-war Polish bread bags that were converted that's to Vermont cool. bread bags. I don't bags. think I've seen one of those. I have a Czech one. Really? Yeah, hey, that's cool. I have a Czech I one. I want to see that. Um, and so these, I mean, it's just, it's almost limitless the amount of variation. Uh, certain things I would say hold to be true. Um, the size can vary. The exact shape can vary. The way that the ends of the straps are cut, they can be, uh, you know, various different ways. But I have never seen what I believed to be a Wehrmacht bread bag that had an internal divider. Mm. You know, mm. I'm not talking here about the the small pouch for the uh, RG34 that was used on the M44 bread bags, but um, inside there's just one compartment in there. Yeah. And there are post-war lookalikes that are almost identical to the Wehrmacht one, and one of the one of the differences that can be discerned is those are those are bread bags that have a divider yeah they used to, they used to be purported to be the best you could get but you know they had that they had that divider and i would argue that maybe they're not the best you can get anymore or they're collectible in their own right or whatever yeah. but we, we'll talk more later about the yeah. post-war equivalent and reproduction bags yeah um another thing that uh as far as i'm aware all Fairmark bread bags have in common is the fittings on the back, small D-rings and leather fittings on the back for affixing a bread bag strap. I think mm. there are some M44 models that omit this, possibly. <sighs> yeah, I kind of defer to you on that. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't remember exactly, but yeah. but as far as the uh, model 1931 and then the 1940 upgraded yeah. wartime bags, they all have fittings on the back for affixing the strap. And that is something that uh, some of the post-war models do lack. Interesting, interesting. The strap itself is a uh, useful item. It exists in all the different myriad fabrics that bread bags are made out yep. of with, um, you know, aluminum hooks or steel steel hooks, painted steel hooks, uh, hooks with different finishes, and the leather can be brown, the leather can be black or pebbled or smooth. I don't think we've said this before, but just for those who don't know, so Luftwaffe bread bags were made out of a blue canvas, typically, and then I think uh, Politzai bread bags are made out of uh, like the police green uh, color. Yeah, the distinctive blue-green organizational yeah. color. Yeah. And the uh, the Waffen SS used the same bread bags as the Army. Yeah. But there are pre-war Algemeine SS bread bags that are specific to that organization, and there are even black ones for use with the black. Oh, wow, uniform. that's cool! Yeah. I did not know Scarce. that. I did not know that. Um, so these things exist in all of these limitless different forms. I, uh, just as a personal note, find the blue colors of the Luftwaffe canvas to be very appealing. Yeah, they're attractive, you know. I, I, I think the Luftwaffe field gear is, is very cool looking. Um, the strap, 
as I was saying, uh, has a lot of different possible uses. So usually when you were, if you were a German World War II soldier and you were using a bread bag, it would be strapped to your belt. Um, but you could also affix it to a strap and wear it without a belt as a sort of like a haversack on a strap, a shoulder bag of sorts, right? And what, Chris, something you taught me is you can actually have the strap on it around your shoulder, especially if your bread bag has a lot of stuff in it or you're carrying like a full canteen, then a mess tin with something in it, and then, you know, the bread bag itself is full. That thing, it, it actually might weigh a lot. And so having, the sh- so having it suspended by the belt, but also having the strap around your shoulder is a nice way of sort of distributing the weight a little bit, you know? Yeah, I've seen this, not a lot, but sometimes in photographs where um, it's a unit that wasn't issued Y-straps. Yeah. So it can be very hard to support the weight of the bread bag, particularly the full canteen is very heavy. And then you've got the mess kit on there, of course, and whatever's inside the bag. And yeah, you can have it, um, you can have the strap affixed and the... um, the bag on your belt and it helps to distribute the weight of the stuff on your belt or you could also wear it uh i've seen this sort of called world war one style where you have so your ammo pouches if you have two of them um each one has uh, a d-ring on the back um and that's meant for that's meant to hook to your y straps or your tornister straps or whatever kind of pack you're wearing but uh if you don't have if you don't, if you're not wearing a tornister and you don't if and you weren't issued Y straps, you can in theory like wear the bread bag, like put one hook through one of the D rings, run it around your neck, and then put the other hook of the bread bag strap through the other uh, ammo pouch D ring and have it sort of suspended around your around your shoulders like that, you know? Yeah, it's like it, it, you use the bread bag strap as load-bearing equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, there's another way to wear the bread bag strap that I've seen in a few photos. Again, not uh, tremendously common, but was definitely done in some units where they have created a sort of a of a backpack where yeah. the, the bread bag strap acts as a sort of a shoulder strap. So, basically, they've strapped the Zelpan or maybe the blanket to their... Um, mess kit and then have hooked the bread bag strap to the mess kit and created loops that your arms kind of go through and it forms into a sort of a backpack that's cool i've i've seen i think i've seen a few photos that we should try that sometime maybe just like as a experimental archaeology you know then i think you could probably do it but (laughs) i may not be able to because the bread bag strap is actually really short (laughs) and uh i have i have tried it and i think i i would need some kind of like additional extender or something fair enough fair enough um, fair enough people uh people back then whether they were taller or shorter i don't know but they certainly were not generally as fat well fair enough fair enough um and i think when when we as reenactors talk about wearing the bread bag strap what most people think of is using it for camouflage on the helmet yeah yeah which is something that is seen very very often in period photos to which to you know to the point that uh some dealers who want to market these things will kind of offer them as like helmet accessories rather than a bread bag accessory which is what it really is yeah, I think the. I mean, I feel like how many how many times in original photos do you see it done? I feel like it's not super common, but like you definitely see it. 
it's it can be hard to quantify how common something is or isn't, but I think you yeah. can make a case with period photos that it was a widespread practice yeah. in different fronts, yeah. in different units, yeah. different branches. Yeah, I, I I've even done it. I think at a, a couple of events where you know it's uh, it's you can stick dry grasses in it, and it's kind of a cool look. Do you think that it was perhaps the most common? Uh, field expedient way to camouflage a helmet? Yes. I think so too. I yes. think it, I see it. I feel like I see those more than uh, field made covers. Talking here about the German army, yep. of course, because the SS had their own provisional uh, proprietary camouflage, camouflage yeah. covers. Yeah. Um, that or maybe mud. Maybe mud, you know? It can be tough in a black and white photo to know if you're even looking at mud or paint or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. Let's talk a little bit about actually using this bread bag. Uh, you know, Ben, what do you put in there? <sighs> Let's see. I mean, I feel like I I always try to have uh, cheese and uh, some sort of a bread, and I'll wrap them up in either brown paper or wax paper or cheesecloth, and then maybe I will have a, a sausage of some sort. And then, you know, maybe if, uh, I will have a can of meat in there as well. And uh, I've tried carrying, you know, fruits in the bread bag, like an apple, but I find those get bruised really often, and so I typically, if I'm going to bring apples to an event, I'll put those in my mess tin, which I can strap to my bread bag. Um, same with eggs. Like, sometimes I'll bring hard-boiled eggs to an event, typically if it's in the winter, um, when I don't really need to worry about them spoiling, uh, like, immediately, but I will, I, will, I will wrap those up in cloth and put those in my, uh, in my mess tin, which I can strap to my bread bag. That's cool. Um, I am always, before events, checking to make sure that my bread bag is packed with the stuff that I need for the event. That's cool. That's um, good. I, I operate out of my bread bag quite a bit. Yep. I know that a lot of reenactors kind of default to having their buddy get stuff out of their bread bag for them. I don't know if that's how it really was in World War II or not. I always try to get stuff out of the bread bag myself. It is kind of awkward where the bread bag is positioned on your belt. It's almost on your back. It can yeah. actually be on your back in certain situations. Yeah. And so you've kind of got to reach behind you yep. and maybe manipulate some stiff leather strap uh, with a with an irritating little button to try to get in there. Yep. It can certainly be annoying. I I try to do it just because I I find it. I think that in the reality of war, if you're doing it every day, you probably got used to it. Sure. It's probably just easier to get this stuff yourself than to try to find someone sure. to get your can of peanut butter out of your bread bag. <laughs> can um, of peanut butter. Your jar of Skippy peanut butter. <laughs> um, your but, Doritos, dude. <laughs> so stuff that I like really really need all the time, I keep in the pockets of my uniform. Yeah. Like a pocket knife for me will be in the pocket of my trousers. Um, you know, the can opener might be in my uniform pocket. You know, I used to keep my spork in my bread bag. Um, however, of recent, I've started carrying my spork in one of my tunic pockets. I just, I always know where it is. I feel like there's a risk of losing in the bread bag, and I just, that's, it's an invaluable thing. I feel like it's easier to, for, it's easier to forget it if it's in the bread bag versus, like, it can live in my tunic, like, hanging on my, hanging on a wall hanger at my house. Um, sure. In between events. So um, I always know where it is. 
Yeah, I the stuff that I do keep in the bread bag, um, I always keep a spare pair of foot wraps in there in case uh, my boots get soaked because it rains or if I have to go through a river or a stream. That's interesting. I keep a spare pair of foot wraps, but in my uh, tunic pocket, like my lower tunic pocket. I think a spare pair of foot wraps is like, to me, that's like a pretty invaluable piece of survival yeah. here. I mean, remember, Ben, that time when you fell through the ice in the extremely cold winter event? It ends in water? No, the um, in Vermont. <laughs> Oh, yes, you yes, 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 yes. But amongst the people that we had, we had enough dry sort I of remember foot, that, footwear, yeah. foot wraps and stuff for you to be able to get your feet dry and back in your boots because this was a situation where the temperature was so low, was so far below freezing. Yeah, it was day. like in the 20s, right? Uh, yeah, if, if not, not colder, colder. If not and colder. we were so far away from, you know, any heat source yeah. that that could have been like a dangerous situation. Yeah. So to me, uh, spare that, foot wraps are like, a survival thing yeah. also something that i have found through experience is that if my boots get completely waterlogged and my socks get soaked or my foot wraps get soaked i can take my boots off take the socks or foot wraps off put on a pair of dry foot wraps and then shove that right into the soaking wet boots and my feet still stay relatively dry because of the absorbent nature of the foot wrap itself that's cool the other thing too that I've been I sometimes carry a spare of is uh, I've got I got some like felt insoles for my boots uh, which are nice in the warm months and you know I, I might like have a pair in my boots and then I carry a spare you know in my uh, in my in my pocket and that's cool. so uh, Another thing you can swap out if your boots get kind of uh, kind of damp. Something else I keep in my bread bag is my hand towel. I use that mostly for cooking, actually, like mm. uh, moving, uh, taking the lid off the pot, moving the hot pot around. I use a hand towel, or I'll use uh, my field cap on one hand and a hand towel on the other hand for that. Okay, so for the longest time, I think I saw my hand towels as like. I wanted to keep it nice. I wanted to keep it pristine. You know, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to really get it dirty or grubby. And I feel like of late, I just realized this thing is a rag. Like it these is a rag. things were meant to be thrown away. And like, if you have a hand towel that you think is particularly cool, maybe don't bring it to an event. Maybe bring an actual rag, um, because ideally you should have a rag on you to clean your mess tin. All of my hand towels are very stained. Um, they're stained from weapons grease. They're stained yeah. with rust. They're stained with, you know, yeah. grease from food. Yeah. Um, We've talked about this before, Chris. Um, so didn't, you encountered some documentation where, you know, the mess tin was supposed to have like a film on it or something, you know? The, the documentation is about how to clean out your mess kit. And it mentions, it says never to use sand or anything abrasive to clean out your mess kit. And it says that with use, there will be a black layer that will form, a gray or black layer that forms on the aluminum. And don't scrub that off because it protects the aluminum and it doesn't affect the safety and it doesn't affect the taste of the food. It's interesting. I feel like most reenactments aren't, aren't long enough dura duration for that layer to film, or layer to form, sorry. Um, I feel like that's like if you're out like on maneuvers or on a campaign or something right well there's someone that i talked to who is like a metallurgist works with metal professionally and he was like it would take years for that to form really interesting yeah, so interesting you know i don't know if it if it did form or because because my original mess kits i don't wash them when i get them sure there might be some grime or grunge yeah. in there or some dusty oxidation but it's not like there's like a they're black inside sure sure so i don't know i don't know, I don't know. But um, we digress. Another thing that I keep in my bread bag is my mosquito net. Yeah. I use a post-war uh, Bundeswehr one, which I think is 
probably uh, basically the same as one of the many, many different styles that were in use by the World War II German Army. It's so funny, dude. All this stuff, like, I I have, but I keep it in my lower tunic pockets usually, you know? Sure. Well, that, I think something that is worth pointing out is that there is no packing diagram to tell you what you're sure. supposed to keep in your pockets and what you're supposed to keep in your mess kit. Yeah. I mean, there are some regulations like there was a place where you were supposed to keep your sold book. I think you're supposed to, if you're going on leave, you're supposed to have like a condom and uh, handkerchiefs or something in your tunic pocket. That's I funny. think that's in the Rybert manual. I could be wrong that's about funny. that. Um, but like, in, you know, what, what are you supposed to keep in your bread bag? It's like the stuff that you need. And I actually interviewed two different Wehrmacht veterans on tape. Someday I'll got to do something with these recordings. But both of those guys told me they kept nearly nothing in the bread bag. Sure. They used almost identical language to say that they didn't really keep anything in there. It's funny because I've I've heard it said that a reenactor, like a like a like the sign of like a novice reenactor, is like a flat bread bag. You know. Well, it, I've read that too, and people will say having a flat bread bag is a reenactorism. Yeah. I think you could make a case that having a bulging bread bag is a reenactorism. Yeah. You know, you can look, for example, at training films like uh, Men Are Gig and Punzer, and those guys have flat bread bags. Now, of course, these are training films. It's a staged thing, right? But it's like. You know, those are World War II German soldiers with bread bags. And I think if you looked at photos, you could find, you could probably find a hundred photos of guys with bulging bread bags if you really put the time in, or a hundred photos of guys with flat bread bags or whatever. You know? Yeah. And I, there were 17 million guys we're talking about. Sure, that. totally. And I, I, again, I feel like it was that you, you could make cases for it or against it. But I mean, I'm sure some guys in the war just saw their bread bag as a thing to keep their canteen on, you know? Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure some some guys, you know, they had that thing loaded up. But, I mean, there uh, was, I think a lot of guys probably carried the iron ration or half iron ration. Yeah. Um, in some units, this was kept with the field kitchen. There was also like a, a situation where there could be one ration that's kept with the field kitchen and half of a ration that's with the person. And I think, you know, the bread bag makes sure. sense to put that. But you could only really eat that stuff when you were ordered. I think in some units, they probably kept that in the tornister and so on and so forth. You know, sure. millions of variables here. Um, I always keep a a labelless can of tuna fish in my bread bag all the time. When I'm going to a bread bag, I want when, when I'm going to a bread bag. When I'm going to an event, I want that can of tuna fish to be in that bag, and I do not regard that as part of my rations for the event. This is like emergency. If I wind up being starving, if a meal that I am expecting falls through, I have this reserve tuna fish can, and that has helped me out countless, countless times. It's so funny. I feel like I do the same thing, but I almost never have eaten the tuna fish, you know? It's it's not usual that I eat the tuna fish, but the tuna fish has really saved my ass many times. Or like, I can't tell you how many times I've been to an event and it's like, okay, um, you guys are going to go out and then you're going to come back for lunch or you guys are going to go out and then lunch is going to be distributed or whatever. And as it turns out, we don't go back or the, the, the distributed meal doesn't reach us or something like that. And it's like, I have that food there that I can eat that is protein rich, filling, nutritious, nourishing, and I've, you know, and I can share it, right? If one, I have to. One thing I will say to all listeners. So, I mean, I've been to some events where food has been promised and it has been delivered upon. I've been to some events where there has been no food promised but then you know there 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 is a meal that i was unaware of that's you know amazing or you know nutritious and there have been some events i've been to where food is promised and it is not delivered upon 
Um, and I will tell everybody, always bring food to events. Yeah. Always bring your own food, just in case. Um, another thing that I do keep in my bread bag is my rifle cleaning kit, which I use. Um, you know, I use the issue type RG34 kit. And I also keep in there some spare... Um, I don't know what they call these things, right? It's the fluffy stuff that you use to clean your rifle out. The patches? Yeah, we, we they're like patches, right? But it's the Gewehrwatte, and I guess you would the call wadding? it wadding. Yeah, yeah, wadding, yeah. I don't know what the hell those things are called. I keep some of that in there, and I also have a small bag, which I think a uh, German soldier might have called a Kulturbeutel. It's basically just like a little personal items cloth bag. In that particular bag, I keep my Esbit stove, which has Esbit fuel in it, um, and I keep matches in there. The Kulturbeutel really would have been intended for like your personal hygiene stuff, like your shaving kit. I use this bag for, to organize the the Esbit and matches, yeah. like food heating aspect of my kit. Yeah, that's cool, dude. And that's then cool. I have a shaving kit that is inside a little round, um, it's a little round cheese box. And it contains my razor, some shaving soap, spare razor blades, and a shaving mirror. And that's that's my shaving kit that I use. I keep that in my bread bag, too. That's cool. I asked, uh, as I mentioned, I asked German veterans what they kept in there. And one guy said, he's like, I, I guess I kept some bread in there. And I said, uh, I think I said, what about, what about your, your razor? Did you keep that in there? He's like, yeah, I, I guess I kept that in there too. I said, did you put shoe polish in there? Because I always had shoe polish or leather grease at the time in mine. And his eyes narrowed and he like leaned forward in his chair and he like regarded me and I immediately realized, wow, somehow I just asked a really stupid question. <laughs> and he said, he had been at Stalingrad. He said, we were in combat. There was no time to be polishing your shoes. <laughs> I love it. That's so evocative, you know? Yeah, that's 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 crazy, dude. That's I, really crazy. I've seen a lot of reenactors who stuff their bread bag with all kinds of reproduction paper stuff. Like, um, you know, maybe there's a songbook in there. There's a chocolate bar with a label on it. There's some other ration type stuff with labels. There's a cigarette box and so on and so forth. And I just think that stuff would have just been so shredded in the reality of war in your bread bag. You know, you would have you would have had some of those items like a chocolate bar like how long were you carrying that chocolate bar? You would for? eat that. Like almost immediately. You would eat that immediately because it's good and it's it, 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 it's it's nutritious, you know. You wouldn't save that event to an event, you know. I did the same thing where I, I bought all this, you know, like pocket trash at like the old Gap flea market and I carried around event to an event to an event and it just became mush. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fabric that the, the various fabrics that were used to make the bread bag range in terms of their water repellents, but yeah. none of them are waterproof. Yeah. And so this stuff, the stuff in your bread bag from time to time would have been as soaked as if you had uh, jumped into a lake. Yeah. And stuff that wasn't, isn't going to survive being tossed into a lake isn't going to survive in your bread bag yeah. for any appreciable length of time yeah. for a field soldier at least. Yep. No, I, I relate to this. I've been there at, at events. You know, you just, you have to realize that the stuff you put in your bread bag is, I don't want to say expendable, but like it's not going to be totally safe from moisture, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I also do keep a small sewing kit in my bread bag, and that thing has absolutely been worth its weight in gold. That's cool. At certain times where, you know, that crucial suspender, uh, you know, suspender button fails or the suspenders themselves blow out and now you like can't keep your pants up the way that you like to. And it's like five minutes with a sewing kit that has a spare button and a needle and thread and it can put you back to where you sure. want to be. It's funny. I think that one of, I, I, I would argue that some of the most crucial buttons to have reinforced on your whole kit are those in your bread bag. Sure. Because those keep your food and other, you know, valuables inside it. And those also secure it to your belt. When you are running around, uh, you can absolutely have stuff fly out of your bread bag if your bread bag is not secured. You know, I always make sure that my bread bag is totally secured, all the straps but, button, buttoned up and everything. Yeah, and I, I feel like I've just kind of like, I've lost a button on my bread bag. I've like, let it ride for an event or two, and then maybe I lost something that I didn't want to lose. Sure. So just keep that in mind. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Um, reproduction bread bags and what options are out there. It used to be long ago um, that your only options were original bread bags or the various post-war ones that are more or less identical. Um, I, when I started reenacting a long time ago, a lot of people used original bread bags. At that time, it was very easy to find an original bread bag for 25 to $35. Sure. Why wouldn't you use it? You know, it's like, it's like the best thing you can have, right? It's original. Back in the back in the day, the mentality was right, you know? and of course, you know, guys would take even like unissued original bread bags, yeah. and after really just a few events, you've got little holes in the canvas. Yep. You know, yep. some of the buttons have blown off and require being replaced. The old fragile leather straps are dried out and blow out. You know, um, now I think seventy-five dollars is probably a start price for what you can get. Uh, a World War II bread bag for in, in the United States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I would almost argue maybe higher. Yeah, like 90 or 100 bucks or more, you know, depending on the who's selling it and how, ver how desirable a particular yeah. variant might be. But it, when you've got something that's that expensive and that fragile, coupled with the fact that in over the last 20 years, there have been many generations of oftentimes very good replica bread bags available for reenactors. I don't think it makes any sense to use sure. an original. Totally agree. When I started reenacting, the first bread bag that I had was a post-war one. It was a very early East German one, and it had an internal divider. Actually, I will admit this. I wouldn't I'm tempted to not even admit this. When I first started reenacting, I had like a really nice post-war bread bag that was a really nice green color and was a very, very close uh, representation of a Wehrmacht bread bag. And a guy came to an event that had a giant rubber eagle and swastika stamp. And he was like, hey, you can like stamp your gear with this big <laughs> eagle and swastika. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> so, of course, I put it on a bunch of my gear. I put it on the inside of my bread bag. And then it wasn't that much longer after that that I realized, wow, I just basically ruined this bread bag because this Indiana Jones style swastika stamp inside is totally not historically. It's not based in any kind of historical uh, realism at sucks, all. That sucks, man. That sucks. So I 
replaced that uh, very early on in my reenacting career with a different post-war one, and I used that bag for the majority of the next 20 years of reenacting. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it served me very well. The color has kind of shifted through a lot of use. I've had to do a lot of repairs. Isn't it tan? It's like it is tan basically color? a light yeah. tan color now. It was a darker olive when I, when oh, I started cool. using it. Uh, but it, it sun faded. And also, I've had to launder it several times. Yeah. The, the bread bag is one of very few items of kit that I actually, from time to time, have to wash. Because sure. it gets it can get nasty if uh, the mess kit drips on there, yep. weapons cleaning grease gets in there, it could get oily and, and just nasty. I made the mistake of, so I had a butter in my butter dish, and it was the summertime. And I thought that, you know, the butter dish would contain the butter even if it became a liquid. It did not contain the liquid butter, and so I had liquefied... A butter bag. Yeah, a butter bag. <laughs> um, I have since started using a reproduction one. There are a lot of reproduction bread bags that are available. Not all of them are created equal. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not going to like endorse specific brands or tell anyone where to get it. You can ask your unit about that or um, ask on Facebook or just search any of the groups where this stuff is discussed. The and, trouble is I have not bought a bread bag in years. Sure. And as a consequence... I don't know who the best vendor is. I, I used to pride myself on knowing this, but uh, I I no longer know because I have not felt the need to buy one in in at least several years. I mean, speaking in broad strokes here, I think that At The Front have made some really nice bread yeah. bags, and I, I don't know if the current available bread bags that they offer are, I don't know how good they are or aren't, but I know that there have been really nice At The Front bread bags. Um, I use a bread bag from Schuster's, which I'm not totally thrilled with, but I did make some changes that, you know, I don't know what you would get right now if you ordered a bread bag from Schuster's. You know, they, uh, like many of these, we, we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum, but um, vendors have different runs of stuff and yep. you never really, it can be difficult to know exactly what you're going to get when you place an order. Sure, totally. Um, there's a vendor, Nastaro, that makes bread bags that a lot of people like. I have um, like a pre-war one from them. I think it's cool. The primary use one that I have now is an old at-the-front text-led M31 style. Um, text-led were, were these sort of the nicest you could buy from at-the-front. It's like an older run. It is like, I regard it as like one of the good runs. Um, at-the-front did make some where like the the pocket was very small and... I think there was variation in originals, but that said, you know, I kind of like a, I kind of like a, a larger pocket, you know, so I could actually carry more stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know your thoughts, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, the size of the bag varied, and I think you could find big ones and small ones. I agree that, um, you know, I was kind of thinking about a similar thing recently where. Uh, we were talking with a friend about the canteen cup, the, the Bakelite, uh, the small Bakelite canteen cup is certainly correct for use for reenacting. I personally wouldn't use one because I find the metal cup to be so much more practical and better. The, the Bakelite cups suck. I don't understand what you're even supposed to do with this. I thing. have lost so many. Sure. I, or not so many, but I feel like I've lost at least like, I've lost at least a few in the field. Um, and, yeah. and in a similar vein, yeah, I want a bread bag that is, I, you know, if I could choose, I would prefer one on the larger side of the typical original range. Sure. Um, I mean... Kelly's I, Militaria has had some really, really great bread bags at times. I'm not sure exactly what they have in stock now, but yeah. I had some from them that were really yeah. awesome. I would say you can't go too wrong with Kelly's or at the front. Yeah, I mean... Uh, 
they're, you know, I don't know. It's every bread bag is different and it seems like it's kind of a weird moving target, you know, yeah. because I've, I've seen bread bags that are totally awesome. I had one from uh, 1944 Militaria that was totally awesome. Yeah. I don't know if they stock bread bags now. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the thing is, is that it's like some a product from one supplier can just be totally different from one year to the next. Totally. So, but the, the bottom line is there are a lot of options, I think, yeah. for bread bags. And, um, I think that there are there are probably still some on eBay that come directly from Asia that are probably terrible. I've seen absolutely abysmal. There have been absolutely abysmal reproductions of this thing where it's made out of like a really, really thick, heavy canvas. Like what, I don't know, you've got like, I imagine maybe what would have been used for like the cover of a Conestoga wagon in the 19th century. The funniest one I ever saw, dude, was made out of wool. I've seen them made out of wool. I've seen them made out of camouflage uh, material. Camouflage yeah. material, yeah. and they're like shaped like a football, <laughs> you know. Or, where, or the the straps will be like very far away from the edge and weirdly close to the center, you know. Extremely wonky proportions. I have also seen people using post-war bread bags, which I just regard as not being right. Like some have like a leather reinforcement on the belt loops, um, on the on the buttonhole, the buttonhole, the leather so, reinforcement yep. on the buttonhole yep. is a post-war only yep. feature. Um, also, too, um, the uh, the leather loops uh, for the mess tin and and uh, and canteen. I feel like it's with the post war ones. It's it's much longer than on any wartime Absolutely. one I've ever seen. Yeah. So the, yeah. a lot of the post war models are bigger than uh, yeah. the, the typical for the World War Two models. And then the there are some East German ones. I haven't seen these around lately. They've probably become collectible, but at one time I would see a lot of these where they were made out of a thin, um, light gray fabric with shiny black leather fittings and mm. riveted on buttons. They were like 1980s East German army ones. And sure. they used to be able to buy those things for like four bucks. So they would be in the loner gear pile or whatever, yep. and you'd see them around at events. Yep. When I think about a bread bag, I'm kind of thinking about this thing in the sense of a haversack, which was a really kind of an important, discrete component of military kits in long ago days and was really popular for military and civilian use in like the 18th and 19th century. And then after around World War One, started to kind of uh, be phased out and replaced, yeah. I think, in a lot of militaries and even amongst uh, civilian recreational outdoorsmen with a backpack of some sure. kind. And it, it's, it's pretty cool what the bread bag kind of offers as a little system here where you've got your mess kit, your... Um, your canteen and your important essentials, food, whatever, in this little pouch that can is a handy thing because it can either be worn on your belt or with its separate strap as a shoulder bag. Yeah, I like the idea that you can carry your um, your your mess kit and your canteen on you. Although I think that I don't love the fact that the German field gear system basically the canteen either needs to go on a D ring on your belt or it needs to be strapped to your. Uh, your bread bag. Um, I don't love that aspect of it. Like, I actually, if I'm going to be going hiking, I prefer to use some sort of canteen that has a strap. I just find that to be more accessible and e and easy to use. So, yeah. I've done a lot of hikes with the bread bag. Um, you know, I never really think about it, like, from a reenactment perspective, whether I like using the bread bag or how good or not good yeah. it is, because uh, it's what you have to use. Yeah. It's what they had. When I am going on a hike, 
or going camping, then I can evaluate it like, all right, is this thing usable? Do I want to take this thing? And for like really light, simple day hikes, I find the bread bag to be a really cool system because um, I can have the canteen on the outside and I can fill it with snacks or, you know, whatever, you know, I can put um, my knife in there or, or stuff that I think that I might need if if I find something cool on the trail, I can st- stick it in the bread bag. And if I want to, I could even have like a rain poncho, a Zeltbahn or similar, that you could strap to, you know, take some straps and strap it to the D-rings if you wanted to. You can pack quite a bit of stuff on there. For my money, though, dude, I mean, if I'm going to be going like day hiking, like divorce myself from reenacting, I would rather carry like a Soviet gas mask bag, which actually I think is a little bit larger in terms of volume. And also, I find it just more easy to access than the bread bag, you know, like the bread bag, you have to undo like three buttons to get at. And like with the gas mask bag, it's like one or two buttons, you know? Yeah, I don't think that the... The bread bag is is ideal even as as a haversack necessarily. You could actually buy like a Civil War haversack, you know, or like other militaries made their own. Revolutionary War uh, haversack type thing is probably going to be as useful, if not more useful, than the bread bag setting for modern hiking. Because um, look, I don't actually really wear a waist belt loadout most of the time when I'm out in the woods. I I'm just using my trouser belt that holds my pants up. You know? Yeah. So um, I'm using the bread bag strap and then whatever hangs off of that. And yeah, so I prefer to have something slung, like a canteen on a sling and then like a haversack on a sling. I find myself always grabbing a small backpack, you know, a small or a large backpack, depending on whether I'm doing um, a full day or, or maybe a weekend. What I've been kind of favoring of late, I I either will wear like a Soviet gas mask bag or the Soviet OBR thirty nine slash forty one pack, which is like it's very it's it's like a mini rucksack, but it's great for a day hike. Yeah, I like to have a bottle of water plus my canteen. That's cool. And if you know, I like to have a bunch of water out there, um, especially on a this time of year. Recording this in the summer. I mean, I go through a lot of water, and um, I've heard some outdoorsmen say you should actually bring enough water so that you're packing some of it out, Mm. you know, so that you basically make sure you have more water than you need. So I always try to bring a a bunch of water. I bring, you know, usually some kind of food. And, of course, if I'm going to be doing an overnight, I have some kind of shelter. Um, And you're just not going to be able to fit that kind of stuff really inside. I think any haversack for the most part, I think you're much better off with a backpack. I have a variety of different backpacks. I think I've mentioned before I use a reproduction Luftwaffe rucksack that's very big for more elaborate stuff. For small stuff, I use a... uh, like a Soviet uh, Veshmashok backpack. Or That's cool. Those I have things are cool. a German artillery backpack, and I have like a late war German M44 pack, or I'll use a Tornister. It's actually funny. I actually just purchased um, a Soviet uh, OBR-28 um, gas mask bag and also another Mishok because I am not sane. <laughs> That's cool. Um, we did mention briefly just about the water repellency of the bread bag fabric and how that could be changed. Um, I have at times, 
with, with a bread bag project that I'm working on right now, I took some beeswax and really worked it into the canvas and then melted it in with a hairdryer. That's cool. It did not change the appearance or the feel of the canvas. It's my hope that it will make it, that impregnating the, the out, outside surface of the canvas, the, impregnating those fibers with wet wax may make it a little bit more water repellent. Sure, that's reasonable. Uh, something that I haven't tried but that I think would probably be worthwhile would be to use a modern silicone waterproofing spray that would just make the fabric you know, more water resistant because you don't want the stuff in there to get soaked. No, you don't. You really don't. Unless you've got a reproduction made out of a really thin or loosely woven material, there is some built-in water resistance there just by the nature of it being canvas. But I think augmenting that, it doesn't hurt. I don't don't have any kind of data on water repellent used on bread bags in World War II or field expedient ways to do that. Probably didn't happen, but... um, you know, for something that I use as much as I use it, I think I, I feel good about adding some wax to it. I do find that with use, these items get softer and floppier with, 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 with age and wear, you know? Like, I remember the first bread bag I ever bought. It was an old at the front textlet one, model 1940. I still have it, and it is so floppy now, you know? And I, I mean, I kind of like it, but uh, it's just, it's a really floppy thing. It's one of them events where you can't really describe it, you sort of have to be there because it just felt so much like you were actually in Normandy. I think that female reenacting is still sort of in its embryonic stage, but I do think that there is room to grow. A lot of reenactors probably had like some sort of burnout maybe from like years past. It sucks, but it was a pretty good pause for everyone to kind of like regroup and like kind of like a really nice refresh to get back out there. The Reenactors Corner, bringing history to life. So I guess that pretty much wraps up our our bread bag discussion. Uh, before we go, a couple of quick notes. Thanks to everyone who bought the T-shirts. Um, all the pre-orders, really appreciate that a lot. Excited to get those T-shirts out to everybody. I expect to be printing those this week, and we'll have them shipped out. Maybe the maybe you know by the time you hear this, some of those shirts are already going to be making their way to people. That's great, dude. I'm I'm excited for mine. <laughs> Also, um, I do want to say, as always, thank you so much to the Patreon supporters. Without your help, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. So thanks very much for your very generous support, which we appreciate. Thank you much to everybody on Patreon. Always looking for feedback. If you uh, like this, if you really enjoyed this deep dive on bread bags and listened all the way to the end and would like to hear us do similar episodes on a gas mask or any other kit item, uh, let us know if you thought that um, minute after minute of me and Ben talking about changes in button manufacture over time was uh, nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) I'd like to hear about that too. Very good. So on that note, to Ben and everybody else out there, I will see you in the field. See you in the field. We love hearing what you think about the podcast. So why not let us know by reaching out in all the usual places, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for The Reenactors Corner and you'll find us there. And maybe think about supporting us via Patreon. No matter how happy or small, your monthly donations make a huge difference. And as ever, thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retroman, for editing the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us here again at the Reenactors Corner. Bye.